Hello. Happy Wednesday. Oh my gosh. I hope that you're having an extraordinary week. There's just something about October that that feels so open, just so expanded for me. Like I just feel like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat ready for something to happen and I'm not sure what it is. Christmas? <laughs> no, silly. <laughs> it's not Christmas. Although I was thinking about decorating for Christmas too soon. I I agree. It's too soon. Not around here. It's too soon. You leave your decorations up year round. That's not. (laughs) No, actually we we didn't this year. No, no, no. But there is talk about having it done before the 21st. Oh my gosh, that's that's Autumn. Autumn's been talking about Christmas decorations since like, I don't know, two weeks ago. And I'm like, that's insane. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> my, my cousin does half Christmas. Full on pulls out a tree, does all kinds of decorations. They do presents. Oh, the whole nine no, yards. no, 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 so, no. My but then God. everything gets put back away until the end of the year. That's crazy. So no, Christmas is not what I'm anticipating. It just feels like harvest season. And there you go. And that's, that's what I'm anticipating. And I feel like we're seeing that we're seeing the first Mm -hmm. fruits of that. And um, I know that, that, that you and I were, were talking about, you know, we're going to talk about discipleship this morning. So know that, but this, like the cost of discipleship, was a topic that, that God brought in and made such a big deal of. It'll be two years ago in December. Two years ago in December when God started talking about the cost of following him. And and here we are nearly two years later and we finally have what I would call early adopters. We're not exactly fast tracked, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I will take the fruit any way we can get it. Good morning, yes. Robin. Good to have you on with us. Um, if you're on and watching with us, do us a favor and share the broadcast. All right. We didn't even talk about where we're going to start, but I think I know where a good place to start is. I want to look backwards at what has happened with discipleship so that we can better understand what needs to kind of be untangled, thrown out, um, or dealt with um, in order to move into what it is that, that God has for us. Um, we, we all have parents, spiritual parents. We have mentors. We have disciplers. However, however you want to view this, there are people in our lives that have been instrumental in planting ideas of what discipleship looks like or what it looks like to be responsible as human beings walking the earth. Now, not all of that leads to godliness. Not all of that leads to us being able to freely give up our lives in order to follow Jesus as he has prescribed. We have all kinds of stumbling blocks that have been thrown out at us 
with the context of discipleship, of this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And most of it is a false sense of responsibility that God never intended for us to carry. And in fact, I think that it has really just um, been more of a hindrance to us in being able to give up our lives because it doesn't fall under the category of responsible. When we are tied to a sense of responsibility that allows us to fit into society, we can know full well that we've missed the mark. So what we have is spiritual parents that have utilized us as boomerangs to return back to them over and over and over so that they become our source rather than shooting arrows that land directly into the heart of the father. I hope this is making sense because when God started talking to me about this, it was like super heavy and revelational. And I'm just going, no wonder we're such a hot mess because the, the those that have gone before us have really planted within us a, a leaven that God never intended for us to carry around. And um, so let's go with the concept of boomerangs and understanding that that's not God's intention. Discipleship should never look like a boomerang. If you are not familiar with the boomerang, that you toss them out like you would a Frisbee, but they return. Boomerangs return. They go out a far distance and they return back to the one who threw them. This is what we have going on in our discipleship world is this return. It must look like me. And I can tell you that as a, a biological parent of six kids, there is this um, temptation to, to want to steward my children to look a certain way so that I don't get embarrassed or to correct or discipline them in a certain manner so that I am not embarrassed when they are acting in a particular manner in front of people. And this is what our discipleship programs have looked like, is what is actually going to pass this test of what, what makes me look good as the thrower of the boomerang. But when you release an arrow, the impact is not on you. How that impacts is not on you. The release is what is on you. You have got to craft the skill to be able to effectively release that arrow. But the impact beyond that has nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing to do with you. Are you going to continue to steward that relationship? Of course but it needs to be done in a way that you are not causing them to turn and face you. And we see this happening in the story of Samuel and Eli. Remember, Hannah gives Samuel to Eli. This is the son she has begged for. And, and she returns him to the Lord and is like Samuel or Eli, he is yours to raise up. And, and there is so much promise on Samuel's life and and it comes to this point where he's awakened in the night by a voice and he gets up and he's, yeah, Eli, what? You know, he goes to Eli and he wakes him up and he's like, what, what, what is it? And he's like, I haven't called you. Go back and lay down. He's woke up again by a voice and he goes back to Eli. 
it wasn't me go and lay down a third time. And in this time, Eli is like, Oh, this is the voice of the Lord. Samuel, go lay down. And when you hear it again, just simply respond. Here I am, Lord, your servant. And right there, we see Eli pulling back the string of that bow and just releasing Samuel into the heart of God. The heart of God is that we hear him, that we hear him and we become like him and we effectively release praise because we know his heart. And and so I think that we need to also look at um, what what is this ingredient that has been added? It, it, the 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 leaven that has been added to our our understanding of discipleship is um, it's deceptive. Leaven, when added to a a, a batter in, in baking, and if you know me at all, you know I hate baking. This has become a topic in my life, but I don't like I don't enjoy it. I do not enjoy baking, but I looked it up. <laughs> Leaven is used to to create an expansion in baked goods, but all it is is creating pockets for air. So it's a false sense of expansion. There's no real substance. It's just air that is creating this puff. And um, and this is what Paul says about it in First Corinthians five. And we're going to go start in verse six. It says, "Your boasting." is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Essentially, he's saying you're full of hot air, right? (laughs) There's no substance to this. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, even as you are unleavened. For our Passover, Christ also has been sacrificed. So then let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And I I, I was just contending with the Lord and I'm like, it's already in the mix. The leaven is already there. This, this, this wisdom of the world is already there. It's already been implemented into the lump. How do we get it out, God? And he just simply said, you know, the the only way to deal with leaven that doesn't belong is the fear of the Lord. It's the only thing that can squash this leaven of this false responsibility. And this is what I really believe, that we we are living in a time where people are as yielded as they know how to be. They are hungry to be sharpened. They're, they're deeply desiring to be a pure and holy vessel to do the work of the ministry. But, but we've got to get rid of this stuff that, that offers us this, this sense of worldly responsibility that is anchoring us and keeping us, holding us hostage from what it is that God is wanting to do with us. We know full well that it is the foolish things. Say I'm a foolish thing. It's the foolish foolish things that confound the wise and God uses foolish things. The call of God on your life is not going to match up to worldly wisdom. It's not. God is going to ask you to do things that look so completely foolish. And this is why he always starts off the journey with lose 
your life. Lose your life. Don't be, don't be even, don't consider your reputation. That was the question God asked me. Are you willing to lose your reputation? And I had no idea what was coming on the backside of that. I didn't even know that I had a reputation. But what he will do is lay your life so low that it will cause other people to look on and and, and think you have fallen into sin. Ah, you did something wrong for this to happen. That you have been irresponsible and it's okay. It's okay to be irresponsible by the measures of the world as long as you are responsible in the things of God. Jump in. The, the whole topic of baking is very interesting because baking is exact. Exact. You, you, have, you have to, you can't just, you know, a pinch here and a, a, a throw there, you know, with, with what you're, you're putting in an ingredients. It, it's exact. It needs to be weighed out. It needs yeah. to be measured and, and you have to know exactly what is going in there. Otherwise it's not going to turn out right. It's going to be very weird. And, and I think this is one of the problems we have had with, within the past is um, this, this boomerang style of discipleship uh, or, or, or mentoring, whatever, uh, um, where we want the the person we are discipling to look like us to represent us to the world rather than representing christ um there we don't want to be exact in what it is that it takes to to make a disciple of jesus and how hedged in that is we don't want to do that because it, it doesn't allow us to to be put on display yeah you know, our, our ego our, our pride doesn't get fed and, and so we don't want to do that. We want to shy away from it. There's, there's no um, exactness of ingredients. And, and I, th- I think the things that uh, uh, Holy Spirit has been talking to me about as it relates to uh, the marks of discipleship or an attributes uh, of a disciple, um, so I, I can start to look at it as like ingredients. These are things that are going to be in, in exactness, uh, things like faith. We have to be able to, to believe who it is that God says he is well, you know yeah. what is it you believe about god we've said this over and over again this is one of the most important things uh, uh that you can answer is what is it you believe about god and, and so that faith piece that you believe what he has done for you on your behalf you believe the words that he's telling you what he's showing you where he's taking you where he's leading you and in that on, on the backside of that you're obedient you're obedient to take action and to, to do what it is that he's telling you to do, to, to say what it is he's telling you to say. And, and you're stepping into holiness. Your, your consciousness is not uh, focused on sin. Your consciousness is focused on holiness. Yeah. And that is, that is a big thing to be able to say is, I am not focusing on that. Because that's a wrong focus. I mean, you, you think about um, secret service agents who deal with, with counterfeiting money. They don't deal and train with counterfeit, they train with the real thing so they can recognize the counterfeit. Yeah. And so uh, that's, that's why I'm saying a holiness consciousness rather than a sin consciousness, you know, with with the ultimate sacrifice being made on our behalf uh, of Jesus on the cross, our our consciousness of sin should be moving further and further away from us. And the consciousness of holiness should be moving closer and closer. And that is where, that is what we're seeing. And also discipline. We have to be disciplined to be able to 
uh, maintain uh, some of the things that we we are called to do, even when we don't feel like doing. Them. This is discipline. If if God has said, "Hey, I want you to to study Scripture every single day," and and He tells you, "Okay, today this is what I want you to study," then you need to be disciplined to sit down and do it, even if you have to stand up and walk around to do it because you're like getting drowsy. I know that's me sometimes in the morning when I get up. Um, and, and so we have to have a discipline. There's also, uh, uh, you are bearing fruit. You can point and say, these are the things that as a disciple, I, I'm out there taking action. And here is the fruit of that action. This is what it looks like. Maybe this this fruit over here didn't didn't turn out nice and, and, and luscious and juicy like the other one did. But, you know, I, I'm learning there. There's grace. That's that's where grace gets put on full display there as well, too. And yeah. so there's you're bearing fruit. In addition, there is there is a passion or, or we like to use the word zeal for God's house, for his dwelling. We have a passion for that, uh, you know, and, and we have the example of, of Jesus in the temple. Um, he had a passion for his father's house and he was not going to see it defiled uh, uh, by people. Uh, wanting to turn it into a marketplace when it was a place of worship. It should have been a holy space and, and God undefiled. And in addition to that, we need to have a passion or zeal for, for scripture, for his, his word that he has given us. And I think that is, that's something that we often lose uh, a passion for is for scripture. We don't, it, it's, it's sometimes difficult to read. It's sometimes difficult to understand. There is a, a lot of, of scripture that points back to it from the New Testament to the Old Testament and from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And, and, and it can be, it can get lost, uh, we can get lost in it. And so it, it can be difficult. But again, the discipline, it, it comes back in there. If you have a passion for it, it's going to make it more interesting and more engaging. And, and revelation is going to open up for you. And, and then on, on the, the, the backside of all of this is there is, an attribute of oneness and you can see disciples marked by oneness wanting to be in community and knowing that isolation is not what is going to carry them into greater levels of of glory and and in deeper into into jesus it's isolation becomes a place of hiding it becomes a place of, of wearing a mask and and with this boomerang style of discipleship this is what happens because it we know uh, because it's been modeled for us that if we don't come back the right way if we don't come back looking like what that person wants us to be presented like there's punishment there there is there there could even be a, a casting aside where you are no longer fit to be in the presence of this person you are no longer fit to be poured into because you didn't return like you were supposed to you didn't present to the world what it is that that uh, they wanted you to put out there. And, and so uh, uh, you wind up in isolation. You wind up wearing a mask and hiding and you don't want to be part of community. You don't want oneness with anyone else because there's there's exposure there. And that that's that's dangerous. Right. And that's, that is that is ground we don't want to tread on because we could be rejected. And true disciples know that community that oneness is is a, a place of sharpening it's a place of growth it is not a place of condemnation it is not a place of shame 
where, where guilt is heaped onto you. This, this is a place where we all come together and we can share our struggles. We can share the places where we've fallen short and know that, hey, there is, there is love and compassion there. If, if you need a hug from that, there is, there is a hug in community. If you need um, a, a guidance or correction, that's there too. And it's, it's, it's for our own good. It's done in love. And so I, I think that is one attribute that we have to make sure uh, we don't miss in discipleship is, is oneness. And, and so all of those things you can see is, is not what is um, modeled in a boomerang, but like what you're talking about, Angie, when an arrow is, is sent out into the heart of the Father, this is, this is the things that you can see as that arrow is flying through the air. You can see these attributes coming off of this person. Yeah. And, and that, that's going to, that, that's going to get rid of the, the compromise or the leaven. Yeah. Yes. Can you say those um, marks just all in a row? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, faith, obedience, holiness, discipline, bearing fruit, passion for God's house, passion for scripture and oneness. Love that. That's so good. I feel like you should like maybe release that in writing. <laughs> I could do that. I, I love it when, when you've got like the, the kind of the, the steps or the marks I think marks is perfect way to, to, to say that because it is, it's like the marks of discipleship. It looks like something and guys, it, it's not just about appearance. If we make it about appearances, we, we get into showmanship, but it's, it's like that fruit feels like something like when, when I'm around you, I should know that you've been with Jesus I should know that you have been, you have impacted his heart and, and his, yours. And um, so, I, and I, I think that, and I love what Sandy's saying here. I, I need to hear this and to stay tight with like-minded people to keep me sharp and my focus clear. And I think that that is, I think that's the desire of people right now that we really do long for that. And, um, and I, I feel as if the, the knee-jerk reaction to seeing things um, like maybe bad habits creeping up or less than things that, that are out there that our knee jerk reaction is, is to, to blast that thing in a um, more of an expansive approach where I'm not going to deal with the, the little thing that I'm seeing in this person individually. I'm just going to, I'm going to blast it for the whole world to hear. And, um, and I think that we need to move out of that. I think that that is still loving since we're talking about loving, loving from those old wineskins, where it is about that, it's still tied to that showmanship, that performance of instead of having relationship, I, I'm going to perform something. And I, I, I don't know. Does that make? Am I making sense on that? I, I hope. Yeah, that. yeah. You know, and that performance is so often uh, uh, portrayed as discernment. Yeah, I have discernment on this, so I'm going to put this out there, and and everybody look at me, look how great I am. I, I'm doing the thing. I'm very, I'm very holy. Look at me. Mm -hmm. That's not holiness. No. I, I mean, if you go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things that, that God has been talking to me, I, I, I'm in the middle of a project right now <laughs> and really deeply studying the tribe of Judah. And one of the things that, that Jacob said 
about Judah, his son, and obviously the tribe, is that that Judah would have his hands on the enemy's neck. And for me, that looks personal. That looks up close and intimate. That looks like I'm honoring oneness. I'm honoring the bride above all else. And so when I see that there's something rising up in you, I I have the boldness and the courage and the love to go and address that with you rather than blasting it on social media or using it as, as a part of a teaching for those of us that, that have a platform. Uh, instead of doing that, we actually just deal with it. I can, You have a trust in me and I have a trust in you that I can approach you and we can talk about this because I, I, this is the other thing that I feel. I, I feel as if... We, we are on this narrow road and we're very aware of folly's edge, very aware, like we're almost intimidated by the narrowness of this road and how simple it would be to just slip off of this narrow road. And, and for me, it feels as if it's just nothing but a, a deep fall <laughs> off the side of this narrow edge. And, um, but this is where oneness has to come in. And, and there is deception is going to continue to, to increase. We're going to, to have to really battle this. And we're, it's not something that we're going to be able to have personal discernment of. It's going to take the company. It's going to take the oneness of the bride to be able to, to point out, actually, you just shifted slightly. You're, you're slightly towards folly's edge and, and not in a way that we have to batter each other. Like, let's stop letting sin define us. Let's stop letting folly define us. The only definer of us is Jesus Christ himself. So what if you have something coming at you? Don't let it define you. Don't personalize it to the point where you're offended when somebody comes along and is like, shift, right? That, that, that It's like this stupid stubbornness on our part to be like, no, I'm not. I haven't shifted towards folly's edge when really it's love that's going like, you know, just adjust. And, and it makes all the difference in the world. And to be honest with you, we should be so tight, tight. We should be in a tight formation that there's very little room to, to shift one way or, or the other. And, um, and so Sandy, you're right. We need to be with like-minded people right now that, that love us so much that they're not going to allow a shift to one degree or the other, that it is straightforward eyes on the lamb of God. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is a, a close up relationship. And I, I want to take the picture you, you talked about of Judah having his hands on the enemy's neck. This is this is something that, yes, it is. It is very close. But if we take that and we look at this, this uh, relationship we're talking about here in discipleship, we need to be in that same proximity with one another because in that in that close proximity you're able to see the changes up close Mm -hmm. i can't see the changes in your pupils when i'm far away but when we are right up close and there is this something that is happening in you it is manifesting in the body yes miss it 
without the proximity to one another, without the oneness and that community, the like-minded people that are wanting to keep us tight and on that, that narrow path. Yeah. We're going to miss those things. And so we, we have to have that close-up relationship. Yes, that, that is, is a place where you are going to see uh, uh, something change when you have your hands on the enemy's neck because you are right there. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if we are with one another and we have our hands cupped behind each other's heads, it's it's the same thing. There There is a place to be able to see what is going on with one another yeah. and to be able to say, uh, um, we need to turn this way. And, and if we maintain that that closeness and that close that is built to to not want to do those things where you say, oh, I, I didn't shift towards uh, what you call folly's edge. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't do that. No, there's, oh, yes. Yeah, I see that. Thank yeah. you. Let's move. Right. Let's work together over here. Right. And we don't even need to, we don't even need to pause for a, a little pity party. Like, no, oh. you, you are, you are in a, a militant stance and you don't have time to react to, to the enemy. We have to stay focused. And and I think that even like we're, we're, I just see us in such a tight formation that, that we can feel the, the rise and the fall of, of, body temperature. And, and this is so important because we need to know one way or the other when the shift is happening, because if we don't know who's got the hot hands, we're not going to know what it is that God's doing. We, we, can, we can make decisions based on body temperature, on where it is that God is wanting to go. We can use that as a form of discernment, be, and this this is us shifting away from platform, right? Where and um, where it's no matter whether the person the it person is hot or cold, they have the mic kind of thing. And, and it should never it should never have been that way because it, it, we are a body and, and and we need to be fluid and know who has I just like to call it the hot hands and because they're the person that should be driving that thing in that moment and and we all have different gifts and and different expressions of anointing and it's going to require that we're capable to shift one way or the other very quickly to overcome the deception that's going to be coming at us because really the ultimate goal right now is to take the land we don't need to be worried about building anything right now. I know right now we as as a ministry are laying foundations, but we are not ready to build anything. We are still in let's possess the land mode. And um and, and so let let's stop worrying about, you know, what my part is in building this thing. Let's just let's just stay in rank and and know what each each carries. So we know when to push that person to the front. And um, I just love, I love the picture of oneness. It, it gets me probably more excited than most things because it, it, there's so much integrity in it. There's so much integrity in it. And I'm not talking about the integrity that you have been fed all your life that you need to look the part. That's not the integrity I'm talking about. I'm talking about integrity that's solid, that it's not going to fall through. Yeah. And with each one, if, if we are talking about militancy and taking the land and and being able to to have that close proximity, you can start to to think about um, the way battles were fought 
in ancient times where they had uh, uh, shields and swords and spears, and they would lock shields together to create a, a, an impenetrable wall to to protect one another. That's what you're, they were doing. The, the shield was there to protect self, but also to protect the person next to you. Yeah. And so this is this is that tightness that we're talking about. We can feel the nervous energy of others and that rise in body temperature. You know, and and in speaking of who's got the hot hand, it started to make me think about it and thinking through this picture of closeness and and being able to recognize that, feel that body temperature change. Uh, when, in, in marksmanship, there is breath control. And so mm-hmm. when you are ready to squeeze the trigger and release that round, you exhale. And when you do, your body still stills and, and comes and settles and you're ready to release that with precision. And so that's, that's what I think about also is, is who is that person that is, is ready, who has released that and they are steadied. Yeah. That this is a, another way to recognize that person with the, the hot hand who's ready yeah. to go and has a word to release and, and is ready to send it out. Yeah. Oh, so Vince, what's it take to follow Jesus? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Counting the cost of discipleship is extreme. You want to talk extreme sports? Here it is right here. Um, Let's read this. Uh, Luke 14, we're going to start in verse 25. It says, now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I, I mean, without even moving on from there, this is already a, a, an extreme thing that is being asked of people to follow Jesus. When, when he is talking about counting the cost, this is what it's going to take. It is going to take everything. It is going to cost everything. Yeah. And it's not to say that you... Uh, um, will be giving up family but are you willing to do that if it comes to that if you have to make the decision to follow jesus or to go over here to to be with family because uh that is something that is pulling you away from what jesus is is wanting you to do yeah then you have to be able to make that decision to to maintain what it is that he's asking and in that discipleship and so there is an extreme cost it goes on it says Uh, Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Uh, And and then it goes on to talk about, you know, the the mocking that that could come if uh, you lay the foundation and then can't afford to finish building and, and what happens from there. And this this. Gosh, this should be something that really gives us a, a reason to to look and say, is is the marks that that God is talking about when it comes to a disciple is is this level of commitment what is being modeled in the person that I'm looking to to disciple me towards Jesus? If it's not, um, then you should probably go somewhere else. Yeah. Because they're 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 throwing a boomerang and not shooting an arrow because the, the people who are wanting to to 
have you be a boomerang rather than an arrow are going to to disregard this. The cost of discipleship for them is is not what can I pour into this person. It's not uh, how how narrow a path am I setting them on. How um, how willing am I to be in the back seat and not have my ego fed by this person? Yeah. This this is something that says I'm putting them up front, mm-hmm. and and they are going to go. And if they mess up, hey, there's grace there. We will we will fix that. There's not punishment here. There's correction and growth. And, and so uh, th- this is this is a cost of discipleship where we have to sit down and actually say, Am I willing to put it all on the line? Absolutely everything. Am I willing? to be one that picks up my own cross and says, um, yes, you know, in, in Roman culture, carrying your own cross to the place of your death was an admittance of guilt. Am I willing to do this? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to pick it up and say, hey, I, I don't care. I don't care what it looks like to the outside world. I don't care if they see me as guilty or if they see me as, um, hey, you have fallen into sin, even though you know it's it's discipleship because they're looking at this in a, a fleshly way rather than a spiritual way. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to pay that price? Yeah. Am I willing to lay myself down on the altar and be a living sacrifice? I just, I, I can't stress enough that uh, when Angie's been talking about this over the last almost two years uh, of, of counting the cost of discipleship and saying it will cost you everything yeah this is from the mouth of jesus right here yes it is going to cost you everything what are you not willing to lay down what what is that that thing that is holding place in your heart that you are are offering worship to because that's honestly what it is if you're not willing to give it up for jesus you're offering worship to that over him that is the thing that needs to be uh, uh, put on the altar and burned up. When you lay down on the altar and, and, and offering yourself up as a living sacrifice, this is not a, uh, a slaughter that is taking place of you. This is this is a, a burning up of flesh. This is a, a removing of the things that aren't marking you as a disciple. And you are actually coming out of that process refined. Yeah. Not not scarred, not damaged. You are coming out more glorious than you were before. Yeah. And and at, at that first point when you lay down and say, "Ah, oh, I'm giving you everything, God," you may think that you have given everything. But that it's some kind and of glamorous thing that you're doing. Yeah. Flesh. And, and you you may <laughs> think that it's it's everything that has has been given up, but there's always more, and you haven't missed it. There's nothing wrong there. It's yeah. just. You, you, you find other things that God is revealing to you over time. And it's, it's uh, I'm still a living sacrifice. I'm still yeah. on the altar. And, and thank you for highlighting that to me, God. And now let's burn that up too. Yeah. And, and he will. And, and it is a faithful process with you uh, uh, that he will never let you down through. But you have to count the cost. You have to know what it is you are willing to you are saying that you're willing to do in following Jesus. It's, it is really an extreme example here that he is giving, but 
what he's asking for you is extreme as well. Yeah. Because there is there is a mission that he has for you. And and in that mission, you need to be focused and dedicated to it. And, and that is going to require you at times to make difficult decisions that are not going to make those around you happy. Yeah. For sure. And, and the thing is, is I, I think that, that we, we glamorize I mean, everything we, we have, you know, just made it something that it isn't because there is nothing glamorous about discipleship. You will get cut. That's all there is to it. You will get cut. So essentially, if you're going to someone and saying like, I want you to disciple me, and this is the way that, that God has shown me is like, you are asking them to put their blade at your neck. You're going to get cut you need to get cut. And um, it's a brutal, brutal process because how can we go from where we're at right now from our our comforts to to this level of cost that that Jesus is talking about in in Luke 14? When you think about turning your back on your very own family, that's intense. That is intense. And, and I, I'm going to tell you right now that when God starts to strip you of everything in, in this, this counting the cost, it will be those closest to you that are going to reject you. They're the ones that are going to start um, slinging mud. And it's going to be painful, but you will endure. You are doing a good work. Can I just... I, I, I want you to feel my words like you are doing a big and a good work when you're allowing Christ to strip you of everything. When he has hedged you in so completely that there is no way out, there is no chicken exit. Right. You're doing a good work. Nothing about it is going to echo that for you. You need the people in your lives that are are cheering you on, who know <clears throat> who know their way around that level of sacrifice, who know what it means to count the cost and who haven't stopped counting the cost. You guys, this isn't this isn't a one-time affair. This is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. Paul says, "I die daily." I die daily. He lays himself down daily. We need to lay ourselves down on the altar in order to become a living sacrifice, in order to be a living epistle on behalf of the kingdom of God, in order to be a clarion call. You have to die daily. You have to die daily. It is a big work and you do not know what it is that he is going to want to strip from your life day to day. He has asked me to lay things down that are absolutely nonsensical to me. I'm like, you want me to do what? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make sense to me because of my own desires. But here's what God said to me yesterday is that, you know, um, I, I am more effective in the hands of God than in my own ability to make a decision. In the things that make zero sense to me. I am far more effective and sharp in his hands when it makes no sense at all than I am under the power of my own decision. 
Like I'm incapable, incapable of sharpening myself to the degree that he wants me. But you're doing a good work. When you're the, the one that's saying, like Sandy, I choose to be a Luke 14, 25 disciple. Come on. Well, that's that's a bold declaration. Anybody else want to be a Luke 14, 25 disciple? It's it's a bold declaration. And I think that that when 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 Jesus brings us to the point of being able to utter those words, <laughs> it's game on. And I love that that you referred to discipleship as an extreme sport because that is like such a perfect description of of what it is. And 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 ultimately, you guys, in this Western culture of ours, we don't know what sacrifice is. We live very cush lives and we have no idea what sacrifice even looks like. And, and, and if we don't have a full bank account, then we think we're missing the mark. (sighs) These people that followed Jesus gave up everything. The martyrs that came after that, that first century church, they gave up everything unto death. Yeah. You and I have not tasted death for the sake of Christ in that same manner. I I know that when you make that decision and things do get difficult and you have to start making choices, there are questions that are going to come at you. And these questions are going to... uh, uh, want to cause you to fall into some disbelief that you're doing the right thing, that you are maybe outside of God's will in this decision. And these these questions, again, we have to go back to take every thought captive, take every everything that comes at you captive and interrogate it until you get to objective truth, until you get to Jesus. Yes. And and when you get to Jesus, it's either going to affirm or crush whatever it is, whatever that thought or question, whatever is coming at you. And this is this is a, a, something that we have to continually do. And making this decision, I, I can tell you that, yes, we know there's a promise um, on, on the backside of following Jesus. We know there's a promise uh that he has attached to each mission that he gives us. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be painless to get there. Right. It, it doesn't mean that in that process, there won't be some something that, uh, like you talked about getting cut, it's, it's going to feel wounding. And it, it may not feel good in the moment, but again, we have to, we have to not uh, uh, allow that pain to, to stop us uh, and, and to hold us from from going forward, um, you know. I know you love sports analogies, and you can push through pain. You can play hurt. You can't play you injured, can. but you can play hurt. And and so um, we don't want to paint a rosy picture either. We want to make sure that you understand there is a cost, and and counting that cost and saying yes, I'm willing to be a, a Luke fourteen twenty five disciple. Uh, you can say yes to that, but you have to continue to say yes to that when it actually comes up in your actions and you you are actually being wounded by something and you are having to make these decisions. 
yeah. it is going to be difficult. But you need to be able to fall back on, okay, Jesus, this is what you've told me to do. This is where you said I'm going. I don't understand why this is happening, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm saying yes. And I'm going to continue to take action. I'm going to continue to to fly through the air as that arrow. Yeah. And and hit the mark where you want me to hit. Yeah. And, and and there is going to be opposition. Like you said, there will be opposition. There, there is there is nothing about um, the, the enemy's camp that wants you to advance right now. They prefer to hold you hostage as a prisoner of war. Um, but I was watching Power Hour this morning and Sam brought up 1 Corinthians 16, 8 through 9. And I think that it pertains to this. It just says, um, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Mm-hmm. And you hear this about, about um, disciples that have gone before us that, that like if there wasn't opposition, they were frustrated. They felt like they were out of the will of God. <laughs> we need a shift. We need a desperate shift to where we get excited about the opposition rather than bombed down. You know, like we, we see the opposition as a reason to run and hide. And and they saw opposition as a reason to con- continue to advance. And, um, and, and, and to so, call their friends. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like you, we've talked about Graham Cook's story about how, you know, he has a problem. And the first thing that he wants to do is call his friend to invite him into the the problem because he knows that there is always a promise attached to a problem. And we've talked about that. The enemy always overplays his hand. It's a cover up. Any opposition is a cover-up because they do not want their camp to be plundered. But that's our job. It's our responsibility is to plunder the enemy's camp, to take back what the enemy has stolen from the kingdom of God. We have allowed a whole lot of demonic squatting to go on in our our, our lands. And um, it's time to kick them out. And that's going to happen by you and I choosing to give up our lives. We've got to, we've got to lay down our lives to truly live. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And it, it is, it's a huge cost. And we've been talking about that all year long because Haggai has been our, our principal scripture for the year. And it is repeated over and over and over in there. Consider carefully. Consider carefully. Do not build in this season. We're taking the land. We need to continue to advance. And it is at this door of opportunity, opportunity at this threshold where you're going to experience the most opposition. It is not a sign of error. It is a sign of promise. Continue to move forward, but please do not go at it alone. You are born into a body for a purpose. Yep. That's good. Stay in oneness. Stay in oneness. Stay in oneness. It's always about the center of the Twinkie, right? <laughs> Stay in the ooey gooey center. I hate Twinkies. They're <laughs> disgusting. Absolutely gross. <laughs> Why are you that? But it, it, it's so true. I mean, like it's fitting. It's, it's fitting. It's there that mm-hmm. that 
the life is, is, is in the center of that, that oneness in the core of oneness where you can't get away with anything. Can we just, can we just please drop this self-righteous act and admit we're prone to wander? We're prone to wander. That's why he put us in a body. Could you just be my rear guard? You know, like who has permission to turn you? Who has permission in, in your life? The reason you won't give permission is because you allow sin to become your identification. Hmm. We're to cast that crap down. Holiness conscious, not a sin consciousness. Yes. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Hmm. My goodness. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. We enter in. I just love this picture. We enter in. And we behold the Lamb of God, and He deposits holiness into us, and we put the righteousness of the Son of God on display, and it is what the nations are desiring. The nations are waiting to see the righteousness of Jesus Christ put on display. The nations aren't fooled by by your, your pretense. It's not going to work. The nations know what they're desiring. If you think that that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, you're wrong. The nations are desiring the Lamb of God. It's our job to put him on display. Yes. <laughs> Nicole. Yeah, pass that crap all down. <laughs> That's hilarious. Vince, we pray for us. Oh. Just release something for us. Father, we thank you so much for, for the opportunity to, to be disciples. I thank you that you are calling us into something greater. Yes. Just, I, I'm overwhelmed with, with gratitude. Every, every time I think about the goodness the, of what it is that you're calling us into. Yes, there's a cost. Yes. Because of that. There, there is something so much better for us that you have. If we would only take the time to, to dig deeper and see that. So right now, I just I declare over each of us uh, um, the, the marks of discipleship, of faith, obedience, holiness, um, discipline, yeah. Bearing fruit, passion for God's house, passion for scripture, and oneness. I declare these things over each of you that you would just be prepared to, to count the cost and to step into what it is that God has for you. And that you would you would stay in community. Yeah. Be for one another the sharpening stone. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I would just, I, I would encourage you that um, come back 
share with us, whether it's, it's in the comments of one of these videos, uh, email it to info at uneditedlife.org, the, the fruit that you see of discipleship. Please share that with us. We want to hear these stories. We want to be able to, to put on display um, what it is that, that God is doing through you. Yeah. Yeah. Like let's tear down this, this idea of ministry walls. Yes. We need each other. We desperately need each other side by side, close tight so we can feel the degrees of shift in one another and call each other back. Blessings.